the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Everybody can sing along here. Go ahead, turn it up a little bit. Sing with the song. Got to sing with this one. I only know the chorus. I grew, I grew up with this song. I definitely grew up with this. Little the Beach, Beach Boys. Boys. Yeah. Yes. Little, Beach, oh. little Saint Nick, man. You got to love that song. But that don't put you in the mood. That's right. Run, run, reindeer. <laughs> I love that stuff. I love that song. That's a great song. I don't know which is my favorite, that one or Rockin' Around the, the Christmas, Christmas tree. tree. I like both of those a lot. They're just really great songs. Oh, uh, Holy Night is my favorite Christmas song of all time. I like Grandma Got Shot By, <laughs> Got Ran Over By, by a Reindeer. reindeer. Well, you're going to have to, <laughs> now you got to have to go see the uh, ASO's Christmas show mm. next week. Did, did you hear who they got singing, Oh, Holy Night? No, who? Yeah, Chris Allen. Uh-huh. Oh. oh okay. Yeah, he's going to be uh-huh. there. He, he's the host there. So you need to get your tickets to go see uh, the Christmas program. This would be the the best one they've had. So you remember David Itkin, right, uh, Elizabeth, who used to be the maestro there? Yes, yes. He really made the Christmas program a special deal. That's when they yes, used to have the, the dancing penguins and all of that. <laughs> I'd like to see them bring that all back again. That was just... It was they were sold out all the time. You couldn't get. It was hard to get a ticket to go see that show. It really was. I got to go and get my tickets. I want to take. I don't think my grandson Eli is ready yet. He's only. He's going to be five in February. I think that's going to be hard for him to sit. I through. have an Eli. Do you really? Yes. Yeah, it'd be hard for him. His yeah yeah. Eli's my my last he's, he's young. Too, he's too wiggly to sit through the, the symphony. Uh, yeah, he may I not enjoy so. it. No, he won't. And that's what I'm thinking about. I mean, I, look, I took him to see Paw Patrol at the movies. <laughs> okay, and he did really well to the last 15 minutes, and he had run the course of sitting there looking yeah. at what was happening on the screen. At first, it was like. Holy cow, look how big this is. You know, right. really My first movie stuff. at five years old was E.T. Was it? And I had to leave when Elliot and E.T. started dying. I just started bawling my head. I could not Aww. separate that it was yeah, a movie. Yeah. And that was my Aww. first experience. Yeah, my mom felt so bad. E.T., call <laughs> home. I don't remember Aww. what my first movie was. I know what mine was. It was Ten Commandments. Oh, oh really? Charlton, a, right? My, yeah, Charlton Heston. Yeah, my mom's said that I couldn't stop talking about that bush that talked. <laughs> Very <laughs> cool. Fiery bush. Yeah, the burning bush had me down. I don't, I don't know if I remember my first one. I remember going to see Help with the Beatles in 1964, and the place was a mob scene. We had I never hated seen anything girls like it. then. That's when I hated girls. <laughs> Because you, 64, 66. I don't know when that came I, out. I it, went and saw yeah. that movie at the Parthenon uh, in Hammond, Indiana. And I had to stand outside 
I finally got a ticket, and I get in there, and you can't hear anything on the screen. <laughs> I remember Women that, screen. All the girls, every All time Paul screaming. would show up, the girls would just scream their heads off. Oh, and gosh. fall out in the aisles. And yeah, it was, yeah. We had never seen anything like that. We had never seen anything like that, it's and crazy. it totally changed everything. It was everything. crazy. I just looked at it and said, fabulous. I never want a girlfriend. That changed, of course. Well. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. <laughs> but that's the way I felt about it at the t- at the time. I remember going to see the Dave Clark Five. They they had uh, their movie Fairy Cross the Mercy. I remember going to see. I remember going to see all that stuff. Oh. Well, if you went, you had fair warning then. If you went to see the Dave Clark Five, oh yeah, you knew we knew what's going, going to happen. You know, at one the- at one time they were bigger than the Beatles. That's right. You know, but we're they were after these people. Yeah. <laughs> I know you guys. Yeah, we're there. just like mm, we can't See, chime in on this one. This one, this is one for you all. Can't even. You this weren't there. Why, you have you know? no idea what it was like. <laughs> Beatlemania was really crazy. Oh my lord, it was crazy. And yeah. I, mm, yes. <laughs> you know the only the only recent group that I think approached Bieber, approached that <laughs> was Duran Duran. Duran Duran was. Well, that it was new the kids same. on the block. Yeah, yeah. they were. They were yeah. huge. Yeah. Backstreet Boys, in sync. I remember my girlfriends having all the. Did back you Did you NSYNC. pass out in the? In no, the, in the, you didn't. No, okay. I, they, weren't just was one of, they weren't my cup of tea. You would. You would. I like the rock stars. There you go. <laughs> which ones? The hair boys, or which ones were you I'm, into? I'm embarrassed to say. Okay. I'm just oh, the hair band. Just say it. Come well, yeah, on. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for it to well, tell. Well, I liked Alice in Chains. Dude. Oh, well, that's yeah. all right. I mean, I was I liked the grunge rock when yeah. I was younger. Okay. Nirvana. So you like COVID? You yeah. like you like the, the Kurt Cobain? The big mm-hmm. ones. Oh yeah. yeah. Those are the big ones. Yeah. You know, that's when they tried to wrest rock and roll back. Yeah. From the brink of death. Yeah. Right. You know, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, <laughs> the way the way and the music it was. you grew up with. You will always like it. I yes. mean, the music you liked when I you were still, in high school. I will love the eighties. Do you love the eighties? Right. Um, yeah. and my kids, yeah, love the eighties. Really? Yes. They just jam. Yeah. Bonnie yeah. Taylor, like all of them. They just have this playlist, and they just go down the list. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Put it on the radio, and I just belt it out to yeah. So you got, you got serious radio? You know, oh, I love it. So you got it on the 80s channel? I have on my Spotify, like a <laughs> yeah. whole list. Well, that's good music. Yeah. That's good music. I'll, yep. I'll throw out there. I don't think there's that much good music out there in today's world. No, it's all fake and, and computer generated. That's, that's what my father used to say, and he loved Frank Sinatra. Okay, I'm just telling you. That's a, well, that's no, no, a no, generational no. I mean, really, thing. The kids... <laughs> It is. The kids, and I say that, um, you know, my stepson is 42, <laughs> but he came in when he, he was in count. high school, and he's like, man, man, I want y'all to hear this song. It's great. It's wonderful. I'm just so, it's wonderful. And we were cringing when he turned on the radio, and it was all along the watchtower. Oh, with Jimmy. <laughs> with Jimmy, huh? Okay. Yeah. So it was Jimmy. So I'm just saying, you know, people recognize good music. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and the good music was right. back then. I just looked up at the TV. You know they're forecasting nearly two inches of rain the rest of this week. Yes. I don't need My any. I don't need know. any more. I don't need any stinking rain. I'm just telling yeah. you. So I don't need badges. I don't need rain. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Tonight is the night. Uh, remember, we've sold out one theater. We've started a second theater at the Riverdale yeah. Ten. Tonight is White Christmas. 
on the big screen again. And like I said, first year, you can't get in on the 7 o'clock. you got to go at 7.05. I think you can afford five minutes. Uh, but the second theater is open. The biggest movie we've ever shown as a classic movie is, uh, and we do this every uh, three years, Blazing Saddles. Oh, yes. And uh, we sold out six theaters <laughs> one time for yeah. Blazing Saddles. Yeah. People came to that, that movie, had never seen it. I couldn't believe they'd never seen it. And sat down and could not believe what they got away with saying oh, on, no. in a movie, you know. Yes. And it's coming back. Yeah, and people watch it even today. People don't realize that Richard Pryor wrote that movie. Yes, he was well, suppo- yeah. he was supposed to play the sheriff, Cleveland oh, Little's part, yeah. and Warner's wouldn't yeah. let him because of. Uh, you know, he was freebasing and all that stuff uh, wow. back well, in the day. Trying I to did sell not realize, you know, after I had kids that 80s movies had a different standard. And we were learning Greek mythology, uh-huh. you know, and you, you get the, um, what is it, the Titans or whatever it is that. Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Well, lo and behold, we're all sitting there as a family, you know, and my oldest son is five. <laughs> and a naked woman just walks out of the bathtub. And I'm like, he goes, Ooh! And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's rated PG. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, thank God those parent controls came and yeah. women stood up and said, hey, this is too bad for my kids because yeah. it was horrible. He was just blushed for like three hours that yeah. he saw a naked woman. Do, do you remember that was happening? with his parents. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go back. Go back to the late 60s, early 70s. And they would have been rated mature. Mm-hmm. And that was just about any kid could yeah. walk in and see the movies. And uh, nudity was a big thing. Right. Yeah. They were making that change. And then uh, they they started saying, well, we can't do that. So let's come up with another one called PG-13, which came up because of uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Like one cuss word or one view of No, it was the part where the guy reached in and pulled the dude's heart out. Oh, when it was still beating. Yeah. Yeah. The violence. Yeah, the violence. Yeah. And a lot of parents. Right. I just think about how it's changed. Well, I mean, at least they have standards in movies because they still don't in books, as we all you know. Watch, yeah, you watch. You watch <laughs> I don't mo- know about standards in movies either. Yeah, but you watch <laughs> Netflix. It makes me laugh. It is a, you know, graphic violence, yeah. gore, and all these It'll different things. The and then at the very it. end, it says smoking. Cigarette smoking. <laughs> Really? Yes. They tell you when they're smoking yes. in the movies. Now. Well, look yes. at the show, The Office. That could never, that would never make it nowadays because of the oh, content and the stuff. The content and jokes and, and everything, jokes and yeah. Stuff. It's in The Office. And that was, what, 15, 20 years ago when that came out? Has it been no, that long? 15 like, years ago? Right before, it was well, comedy around is dead. Parks and Rec Comedy time. is dead, y'all. Oh, that was It dope. is. Yeah. Comedy is. And that's People what Dave hit. Chappelle, we listened right. to him on a Joe Rogan on our drive to Tennessee and you know, I just thought, oh, my gosh. And he just, he mm-hmm. refused to back down. He's like, no, I have always been this way, and I am not homophobic. I am just saying what I know. Right. Like, it was it was a great interview, and really, right. and so then I went home and watched it. Right. And I realized what he was saying, and that's how we all feel. Right. But you can't say it. Did you watch, did you watch his latest? I did. That's the uh, one. Yeah, well, what's that called? Uh blocked oh. or something yeah well they only the have it on netflix the closer, the closer. yeah and he said he's not going to do any more for a long time because of how much stress this put on him yeah, yeah. it's hilarious though you've got to be able to laugh at yourself it right? you know used to be well, that's what that's what comedy is is sarcasm and right. we're living sarcasm but you can't make fun of, and that's what he said 
There's this you woke can't, society you can't, that can't he handle said, it You can more. make fun of anyone right now except transsexuals. And that's who attacked him. And that's why they tried to get him off the air. Because he was like, everybody in this room came out of a woman. Right? Right. And that caused literally uproar. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, let me say it the way he did. Every, everybody who walks the face of the earth made their entrance from between a woman's, woman's legs. legs. That's exactly That's how exactly he said what it. He said. Well, what and the transsexuals said, I'm a woman. Yeah, I'm a woman. I'm a woman. Yeah. So you he's like, no, kid. you're a man, and you are, yeah. <laughs> So you can, well, that's you can J. give birth to a child. That's what J.K. Right. Rowling got in trouble right. about. And I'm so her glad whole she thing was her... about menstruation. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. And women's rights. Yeah. You can't oh, promote so a man have... that's dressed like a woman when it should have been a woman in that job. Well, she oh, made she made this say, she said, being a, a woman is, is not wearing a costume. That's right. A, that's what she said. Yeah. And it's in your I DNA. Just, when I heard that, I just burst out laughing. I said, well, I'm glad somebody... Can Set say it. some truth. You She's know. got enough money to well, do it. Yeah, that swimmer in Pennsylvania is it? Is that the one? That's oh, the one well, that's breaking all the yes. women's all the women's records. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a man. Yeah. And it's a man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, couldn't couldn't do very well as a man. Or the yeah. weightlifter. He hasn't. Yeah, yeah he hasn't. He hasn't done either. any any uh, Adam's apple shaving. Oh gosh, yeah. you can you can still see his. Well, you Adam's know how PC we are now. I just adopted a kitty, and they are no longer called spayed or neutered. They're called altered. Oh, oh my gosh! I said, I said this baby. I said this baby has stitches. She's got stitches. Did you guys already spay her? And she goes, um, "We have to alter all of our strays before oh we sell gosh. them." And I was like, "Alter? You're not changing anything. You removed her parts." Yeah. They call it alter now, and not spay neuter. It's amazing. So when you it's get a hysterectomy, amazing. it's not a hysterectomy. You're alternating. All right, you're I'm being told. <laughs> I, I, I've gotten some dispensation this week just because I, I I bake some cookies for Heidi, so she's not she doesn't give me the hand signals as much. No, I'm, I'm just. She's telling me I got to take a break. Let's do that. Let me remind you about East End Towing that uh, they know everything there is to know about towing. There are, I didn't realize how many rules and regulations there were dealing with uh, towing. Well, East End Towing knows no matter what situation you find yourself in, that they can handle it. They got the answers for them. Uh, What you need to do is call them. Now, put this number in your phone. Last thing you want to do is you find yourself on the side of the road or whatever, and you don't know what towing company you're going to use. You don't have a clue. And this is what you do. You go to Google and you put towing company near me. Don't do that. All right. Use East End Towing. Here's the number 501-888-8849. Call them. They know what they need to do to get you to wherever you need to go if something bad has happened to you out on the road. That's East End Towing. All right, back with you. Elizabeth is on the phone. We've got Heather sitting across from me, and Missy is back. She went off and had a good time over in Gatlinburg. Yes. She liked it. I loved it. I'm a mountain girl, though. I'm from Montana, so okay. you show me some mountains, and I'll be happy. Yeah, I hate to say this. Arkansas doesn't have mountains. We have foothills yes (laughs) there's a difference all right there is a difference look we the the highest thing i ever saw when i was growing up was the curb 
All right. I mean, I, I grew up in the Midwest where it is flat as a pancake. Yes. Just to uh. let you know. But, uh, yeah, I love going out to uh, the Rocky Mountains. I didn't realize what the Rocky Mountains were. I, I mean, I knew what they were. I, I had been to school, okay? Yeah. But I didn't realize how they literally take your breath away when you first see them. The first time I took my husband to Montana, we went up the Beartooth Pass, which is between Montana and Wyoming, like it's, you know, South Montana. And we got to the very top, you know, and your ears are just like, yeah. and he goes, we are never leaving here. Yeah. He's from Louisiana <laughs> yeah, and he go. saw his first, you know, snow and everything. And he was like, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. Just well, gorgeous. I, you know what turned me on about Montana? Frank Zappa. <laughs> From the from the album Overnight Sensation, you know Evil Cadevils from Montana. Yeah, I know. It's, but they said Frank <laughs> sang a song going to Montana. Montana. Soon. There's also going to be a dental floss <laughs> called Meet Me in Montana. Yeah, who did know? that? Who did that song? I don't. Re- I don't know. So Montana. you like Arizona too? <laughs> Sorry, I'm yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. That, that whole thing about uh, you know Montana, I got into because of Zappa and. He was going to be a dental floss tycoon. You know, that was a whole, uh, yeah, I'm a big Zappa fan, everybody. Oh, That's the truth. And, um, it's yeah. too expensive to move there now. Is it? If you really? want land, those, those Californians, my sister said, you can't even see a Montana license plate going down billing, like driving around billing. They're taking it over. It's, it's growing so fast they can't even keep up. They're bringing in hospitals, like schools. Just Are they my leaving friends. their California... Oh, they're, yes. They're, some, they some bring their no, 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 no. They're trying ways. to change Montana blue. Yeah. But oh um, a lot of them will come and buy ranches up with all their money and leave it for the winter, you know, and just go there during the summer or whatever. It's just so many stars own land in Montana. Just ton. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Cosner. He lives up Kevin there. Cosner. Speaking of Kevin Cosner, he was in Arkansas this weekend. Did y'all hear about that? No. What was he my doing? Friend, oh. uh, sent me a text message. Speaking of Cosner, of, uh, Yellowstone is my favorite show oh, ever. Mine too. He was at Max Prairie Wing down in Stuttgart, Arkansas. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh. Let me see. Oh, Oprah Winfrey. He's a, he's a Democrat and he was killing animals? Is he a Democrat? Is Kevin Cosner a Yeah, Democrat? he's blue. I thought he was... He's pretty blue. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, how disappointing. So is Harrison Ford. What was going on in Stuttgart? He was hunting. Duck hunting. It's duck hunting season. It's the duck hunting. So they're yeah, down there, Max Perry, nice. Max Perry wings and all of that. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Why do you go duck hunting here? Like, because it's because the it's duck hunting capital of yeah. the world. It is. Okay. It's, it's, we're part of I mean, you know, my cousin duck hunts in Montana. We're and they in get the a, flyway. Yeah. Right. You come down the Delta. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So We're they, on the bus stop tour. Yeah. yeah what can <laughs> I say? because of the rice. Stuttgart, the, ra- the rice capital. Too. Oh. So. And ducks like rice. <laughs> yeah. right, keep that in mind because, you know, it grows in yeah. water. Yeah, and I that's where they're at. They like that stuff. I'm not a duck hunter. I like having just to cook one thing to be full so I deer hunt. I love to duck hunt. Do you? I've been duck hunting. You get to like shoot five. more when you're duck hunting. Oh, yeah. I Doesn't hunted mean you're once in Montana. Here I am from Montana, and I went hunting once with my uncle. Uh-huh. And he was gutting the animal and hit the blood sack. Oh, that's good. Boom, I was out, done. <laughs> I never went hunting again. And then in survival school in the military, they wanted me to kill a rabbit. Yeah. And I stood up and I was like, I'm from Montana. I've killed animals before. Let them do it. The ones from California. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to I'll go hunting if yeah. I need to. But The first time you take somebody hunting... You know, go go deer hunting and you're pulling the guts out. And, and we always carry a tub with us and yeah. you just all that in the tub. Yeah. And uh, they'll sit and they go, 
we're going to eat this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the stuff in the tub. Yeah. What's still hanging. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. It really is. Love, love that. I'm from, look, I grew up up north, but I was raised southern. I, try, I have to explain this all the time. <laughs> I'm the only member of my family that was born north of the Mason-Dixon. Everybody else was born in the south. Yeah. In the south, I'm telling you. So I, is, you know, is I Kansas below or above that? Well, it was, when it goes all the way, I mean, you know, if you were to cross it, was it all the way, it was considered a free state. Okay, Kansas. Okay, at its endurance time, same with Missouri, but uh, you had all the all of the fights going on during slavery about that was what fights were when you we came into the union yet. people try to call me yankee i'm like we weren't even a state yet like we were part of the louisiana purchase <laughs> do you have enough people to be called a state yet i mean we wyoming have possibly doesn't. a million people now in the whole state yeah maybe so nice. you're still a territory really the same yes. same thing with wyoming <laughs> you talking they're a territory yeah there's just not enough people to nope. even hit a million man nope. Sounds like peace. <laughs> well, it is. Oh, it is. When you get out of the city, you can it's so live. So, wonderful. You can live in those areas where you don't have to see people nope. if you don't want to see people. Nice. It's just that way. All right, we got news coming up. Let's get to that, and then Heather and Missy and Elizabeth will be back. I want them to talk about there's some uh, new things happening yes. in the world of education. Okay. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. <laughs> Your mics are hot, ladies. Got it. All right. Thank Got you. It. All right. 635 uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, Pat Davis and what he can do about your health insurance. Uh, and Missy can tell you about, like, how crazy it is right now being in the military and having TRICARE. And if you want to go to the emergency room there in in Cabot, they can't take TRICARE right now. Right. Because it's doctor represented and not you know it's owned by entity. some doctors oh well, that's the kind of hospital you want to go to yeah, personal well, relationships but look i had a huge fight with uh blanche lincoln when she was senator mm. because she voted for bills that kept the uh arkansas surgical center over there in little rock from expanding they wouldn't let them borrow the money to do that because they were owned by doctors because huh. mm. that wasn't fair it wasn't fair to the other Insurance hospitals, I guess. Insurance and all I the guess, other groups that make all the money. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't claim to understand the idiocy that goes through a lot of politicians. Said. But, uh, you know, Pat will help you out with health insurance. He'll get get you the health insurance, save you 30 50% right off the top. Then you get whatever health insurance you want. If it's sold in the United States, you can get it through Pat. No co-pays, the whole nine yards. I mean, I, I don't understand why everybody's not calling Pat every day asking him how he does it. Because he he does. He saves you a bunch of money. When's the last time the hospital ever sent you a check? I'll just ask that. Call Pat Davis and he'll tell you how you can get that happening. Uh, it's 501-605-6935. I love the ad that he does when he and his wife are supposedly grocery shopping and uh, she goes, how much are the groceries? She says, well, park it over there. And in about three weeks, they'll tell us what the bill is. And that's the way that's the way health insurance does. Yeah, yeah. yeah they won't tell you how much it's going to cost. It's supposed to. President Trump passed a bill that was supposed to make him do that. They still don't do it. You're, you're supposed to walk into hospital. They're supposed to have it posted right. where you can easily find it. Well, they won't because in insurance, they'll say for 
like my daughter's wheelchair. If the insurance pays it, it's ten thousand. But if I paid out of pocket, it's five hundred. There you go. Oh, yeah. it's crazy. Go figure it out. Yeah. Go figure it out. Anyway, uh, talk to Pat about health insurance. Five zero one six zero five sixty nine thirty five for your health plan, man. Same, same uh, word. All right, your health plan, man. Runs all together. Dot com. That's all you got to do. I'll have Pat on uh, after the first of the year. We'll get him on again. I'll let him explain it to you so that you can save some money. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. I've got, uh, let's see, we've got Elizabeth on. She's on by phone. I've got sitting across from me is Missy. And, of course, I've got Heather. All right. How's your, how's your campaign going? It's going really well, actually. Okay, that's yep. all you can say. Okay, can't say any more. Because yep. if, if you do, i yep. got to bring your, your ca- right. the candidate on that's yep. running against you. All right, so bottom line, let's... <laughs> Let me turn. Please to, do. I want to turn to Missy. <laughs> yes. I want to turn to Missy. And you brought something to me as soon as I walked in. I always know when she's ex- <laughs> when there's something happening because she's all excited and ready to yeah. go. You know, she got a bright face and she's ready. Uh, and she said she'd been up since three o'clock. That told me it was really yeah, important. So doing tell, a little research. See if you've heard about this, Elizabeth. Here we go. I'm turning it over to you. All Missy. right. Go ahead. So I was deep diving. The Department of Education, um, looking for curriculum, different, the schools, how much each child gets. I created a whole, you know, Excel product. I was getting ready to bring this to the school board because 50% of our kids are not even um, in Cabot at current 10th grade level for reading and math. Okay. The last ACT Aspire, 50% are failing. And so we want curriculum change. And so I was deep diving and I found this thing all of a sudden it popped up and there's like this Apple cloud and it says smart data. And I'm like, well, what is this? Mm -hmm. And so I just scroll down, I start reading and I click on the links and lo and behold, it's October 1st. It started and the whole state of Arkansas, every school district has to upload data. And I thought, okay, well maybe it's just a continuity, you know, database. Mm -hmm. Well, as I started reading, it was targeting or profiling our children from kindergarten to 12th through their social, emotional and behavioral um, aspects. And so I thought, well, is it academic? And there was one thing that if they're failing academics, they'll be flagged, you know, or if they have a bad year, they're flagged. And so if they go from Cabot to Little Rock, what goes with them? That they're a flagged kid and they're, uh, you know, a nuisance or they're troublesome. But what they're flagging is for active shooters, like that they're going to go in there and, you know, like, just kill people and and i just know this guy hughes said it is so accurate with what his database is is that they can pinpoint children that are going to be what disruptive what type of thing are they collecting that they think they can well i had to foia that because nobody will tell me even the representatives who voted for it don't know oh it's crazy had you heard about any of this elizabeth nope Nope. This is the now first you, I, I, I brought this up uh, to Missy and to, to Heather because this sounds a lot like what was going on in the '90s with the portfolios. You remember that? Mm, not, not they had a portfolio. No. They were developing profo- uh, portfolios for every child, and it was not just stuff about education. It was all kinds of stuff. Oh, like their background, their, their yeah, and they in, made them. And they made them stop. Like they it. think they own our children, and that's what this is all about. Yep, I they mean, think they, think they, they can... have the right. Yep. 
Oh, good grief. Well, with it, with the portfolios, what was the bad thing is that they were selling the information. And that's what I'm worried about because I'm when sure I found this, too. right, was the link that came up was it was under federal programs. Mm-hmm. And my flag just instantly went off because does that mean the federal government can go in there and look at our children right. and their profile? Right. And that is none of like as a parent, I never signed the waiver for the federal government. to. That's be the key. Intruded. You never you never are told and never you told even about the stuff. Johnny Keys didn't send out, a, you know, an email to all the parents in Arkansas that said, hey, by the way, if you want to this opt is out, gonna be doing exactly this. none so this of this is Act 744. If that's what they're using. This was uh, Senator uh, Irvin's bill, so I'm, we'd probably need to contact her and see. Yeah, and just see if she know. knew about, because through the bill, when we yeah. read it, it doesn't say about collection of data or right. storing it. Yeah. So I want to know if she knew that this was the second portion of what they were going to do right. in the Department of Education. Right. Sometimes when the BLR writes these bills, sometimes I wonder if the legislators really, truly read through them. Right. And have they, it dissected. Before they, right. before right. they, before they you know, go ahead and pass it through. Well, I have on legislators all the time who yeah. say there's so much stuff coming Absolutely. through that they can't read everything. No, they can't. They can't. There's well, no this way. bill's only two pages. Come on. Yeah. But I mean, they will pass a hundred of those. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> when when they're bills. in session. Right. right. They'll just go through there like, yay, nay. And then they just keep going. And you're not really, like you said, dissecting that bill and looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is a community-based school? You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean community-based? That, 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 the communi- I just don't understand that because yeah. um, we're already so big as a district anyways. Like, now you want all the districts to talk to one another. And, gosh, let's just focus on one school at a time. Right. Okay. Right. Right. You know? Right. So this is, this is the bill that was titled Support Arkansas Public Schools and Public School Districts in the Implementation of a community school approach yes i remember seeing this and so what i heard was this was a a give and take between mark lowry and missy irvin and she would not pass his bill if he wouldn't pass hers but nowhere in this bill does it say they're allowed to collect student data that is not academic related yeah let's let's look at this because you you, you called you called uh, Lowry. I did. And Lowry didn't even know what you were talking about. No, he was so mad at me. He thought I was like accusing him of doing something. And I said, well, it's your name on this video. And he's like, I watched the video. That's not me. Someone mislabeled it. Mm-hmm. And so then he said, I am, uh, pro- I am, I refuse to allow student collection of data. I yeah. fight against it. Okay. And so here's the, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. Oh, what I was going to say is he said, I had no idea that they were collecting this data. Uh But, you know, what happens after a bill is passed and what the Department of Education does with it or how they... How they implement it. How they implement it is what what matters. But I said nobody knew. Right. Here's, Here's a key phrase from this bill right off the bat. First thing, definitions. Community school means a public school that implements a service and inclusion strategy mm-hmm. that coordinates resources and relationships in order to accelerate 
equitable equitable outcome. outcome. Yeah, I'm sorry. That whole phrase smacks equitable outcome. I have found uh, that in Title you know. Six of the Arkansas Code uh-huh. throughout equitable, equitable. And I said, who is writing yeah. equitable? Right. There's never yeah. an equitable outcome. There's an equitable education. Yeah, that means my daughter's special needs. So, she gets a curriculum that is at her level. You know, and so she gets equitable education, but nobody's going to have an equitable outcome. Right. That just isn't going to happen. Right. right. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. And there's some Your things that aren't going to pursue. Your pursuit will be different typically than, than anybody right. else. Yes, true. Okay, so your outcome when you go to school will depend on how important you think schooling is. And how much you put into your, it. What right. your happiness is. Right. And I'm finding okay. out that Arkansas is a no-fail school. They don't hold kids back. They don't like uh, why you're, <laughs> you know, you're pushing these kids through and then they're graduating and they think that they're straight A students and they go to a college and they have to take all remedial classes. And yeah. they're like, how? I had a 4.0. Well, uh-huh. Sorry, your 4.0 was like a 2.0 in Massachusetts. Yeah. Well, so, we have that same issue. So I went to a public school. I graduated from a public school. I did actually pretty well. Mm-hmm. My husband graduated from Catholic High at a C average. And when he got to college, he made straight A's all the way through college. I struggled through college, and I had a higher GPA than what he did in mm-hmm. high school. I, that just goes to show, yep. <laughs> you know. How do they measure your success? How, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, do they and why do promote keep- your success and do social promotion and all the rest? Right. right. You know, social promotion you cannot is move the forward. bane of public education. And it's funny because, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about Common Core, and the essence of Common Core in the beginning was actually phenomenal. Like, first grade, you need to know addition. That's all they said. They didn't say how to do it, but they said you need to know addition. Second grade, you need to know subtraction. Third grade, you need to know multiplication. It's when the right and the left came in there, and they're like, oh, you can't say what a child needs to know. It was just a standard. And so they perverted Common Core. Is what happened. And so then that's why you have all these crazy mathematical books and different things. Well, well, you're not supposed to be following Common Core in Arkansas. They still do. Um, They use the books. Yeah. Yes. But they say we don't follow the standards. Yeah. You got to love it. I remember when I was in fifth grade, they call call it Common Core now. Back then they called it the new math. Mm -hmm. That's That's what they called it. I had to repeat a half a semester of uh, fifth grade so they could unteach us one math and get back to teaching us the original the, the original math because you know what the parents got irritated and parents haven't stopped it the way they should have then or now because they didn't do like they did then which was i can't do math what my, my kid does it well, yeah. kids are, parents and i are can do it easier yeah, than but, what they can do it and you will stop this or we're going to vote your butt out of the office. Oh, well, we hey, our school board doesn't even know what curriculum's being used. So, no. yeah. uh, you yeah. know, and what kills me is that these parents don't realize their voices are really important. Uh-huh. And all they have to do is join together and show up to the superintendent's office. But they treat you as though <laughs> you're not important. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter how they treat you. Know I'm just because, saying. Right. No. I know. They don't care what we have to say. I know. I know of places that the people stand up and somebody goes, boo. And they cringe and, and sit they, they'll sit down and not do anything. I know that. Okay, we got to get to breaking because we got we got about ten minutes left. So let me tell you about uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. And and when we come back, I'll have uh, 
uh, Elizabeth talk a little bit about that boo thing. Because some people can be scared off of standing up just because somebody goes, boo. Uh, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard is where you find Tilcrest Designer Jewelry. You're going to find some of the finest jewelry around. I mean, you will be amazed at what Eric has for you at his business. Uh, He opens at 10 o'clock every day, Monday through Saturday, closed on Sunday. Go visit him and... uh, you know, sit down and talk to him or set up a time to go in and sit down and talk to him. 501-246-3655 is his number. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry and uh, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard. Okay, so maybe you you got your kids in a, in a community and you notice something's going on. You can't put your finger always go with your gut i'm just telling you you can go with your gut but go and do you know your due diligence and make sure you can prove that what your gut's saying is is true uh but don't stand down look the public school system is paid for by each and every one of you who are listening to me right now you must including Go ahead. If you don't have kids in school, including you, your property taxes, okay? Yeah, abso- absolutely. <laughs> so with that said, I had made mention that, you know, people say boo and it scares people and, and, and they don't want to get involved then because they're afraid somebody might attack them on Facebook or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, Elizabeth can talk a little bit about this. She knows some things that go on. You share what you feel comfortable with, Elizabeth. You don't have to share everything. Go ahead. Oh, it hasn't happened to me personally, uh, but I, I do websites for different individuals and different groups of people, and <laughs> more than once have people She's been one of those on smart locally. people. To what now? I said you're one of those smart people that can put together, <laughs> you know, nah, nah. stuff on, it, in, but, in, you know, on the we internet. We all do what so. we can do. Go ahead. So, some of these folks have been landed on. There's a group of very active um, leftists in Arkansas, and they are out to watch all of us. Heather knows. Yes. Missy knows. The groups in, uh, in Conway know. There's groups in other parts of the state that know these names. Yeah. And they're just watching for somebody to land on. And they land on you all over social media for a few days, and then they move on to a different target, typically. Um they keep repeating things they like to do in the past, but they're a relatively small but extremely loud. So, you know, the what is it? The squeaky wheel gets the grease? That's right. There are more of mm-hmm. us than there are of them. Mm-hmm. We just, if you're in a community and your gut tells you something's wrong, I think you should find if there are other parents in your area and band together. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. And then do right. something about it. There's about Find 12 out, in that go group. Go to your school board meetings. There's about 12 in that group. I saw them at the Capitol the other day, and I went up and shook their yep. hands. Yeah, what's well, yep. key is is that truth and, you know, big, you know, there's, there's, power, uh-huh. there's power in numbers, but the people that attack you, even though they don't have the numbers, they feel like they have this huge voice because right. they're doing it That's on the internet. That's what happened in Cabot, and they, um, you know, attacked us. Like, even there was teachers and nurses that were making videos attacking us personally. Mm-hmm. But when we were at the school board meeting, you know, that original one for, um, to remove or to have parental choice for masks. Right. We were filled. The first person that stood up to talk said, turned around and she said, who's here yeah. anti-mask? The whole stadium, yep. you know, the whole auditorium stood up and three people were sitting. Well, those three people 
knew they were outnumbered and they just sat and called, called backup, backup, backup. And so you had all these people showing up, but none of us backed down. But I'm realizing now that we've been attacked and people don't want to lose their jobs or they, you know, because it happens. They call and lie and say things about you to your employer and get you fired. So so it's easy to say, and you would know, but, but how, you know, how far are we willing to go to protect our children's education? I'll go all the way. I met a guy last week. (laughs) You're asking the wrong people. (laughs) Right. I met a fella who moved his family into Faulkner County because he heard about schools in a certain community being very good, and he left his job and part of his family, and he moved his wife and two children into Faulkner County to be in those schools where Mm -hmm. he wanted his children to be. So, you know, how far are we willing to go? I know it sounds dramatic. I know some people, oh, it's easy to say. No, it's not easy to say. And it's not easy to do. We're in. We're we're in dramatic circumstances. And what's it going to take? And we also got to stop running from the problem. That's correct. You know, the the truth always wins. And that's what I think these parents don't understand is if you know, and I do realize this because a lot of parents did say, you know, I'm just not as educated as you or I'm not as articulate. And I said, it doesn't matter. Your one thing that you have is you're a parent. Right. It doesn't matter what your education background is. You are a parent. And where your heart is. And and that is it. I don't care if you sound um, like you don't know the laws or the bills. I said, you stand up and tell them how much you care about your kid right. and you are sick and tired of exactly. them failing exactly. and people are going to listen. And so I hope in Cabot, the parents stay at it because um, there's just no reason for our, our kids to be failing at the rate that they are failing. And where are you going to run to when all the, right. When the Cabot school, well, fell. I found out we have school choice, so we could be pulling our kids out yeah, of Cabot, right. but where do we go? Right. Exactly. So are you all still running across people? I did a day or so ago, someone, a parent in my area, and I started a conversation and she said, you know, I just didn't really think that that was going on in our community. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be the bearer of very bad news, but not only is it going on, but it's a lot more prevalent than you might think. You need Mm -hmm. to talk to your student. Even the kids are intimidated to go home and tell mom and dad. And that's why I wanted you to talk a little bit about that, Elizabeth, yep. because you're dealing with it almost on a daily basis. Yep. That's yep. that's kind of your bailiwick. So we appreciate all the, so the work that you do, and I can't I can't yes. wait till we fix your foreign car so you can get here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so My you can get transportation. Yeah, so we, we can have get a you major back here. Transportation conflict at seven thirty in the morning. I so got you. I got you. All right, so I'll let you go. Heather, thank you for thank coming you for in. Me. Appreciate being here as well as Missy being You're back. You're welcome. Thank, you. thank she, you. She got she got back from the Double D Cup place called Gatlinsburg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going. <laughs> Dolly Parton. I was like, what? Anyway, with that said, let's take a break. Bible Guys are next on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's got to wear his goggles because the snow really flies. All 
right, so my question, is that a baritone that the guy is playing, or is it a uh, oh, French horn? Which do you think that is? Sounds like a French horn to me. Sounds like a French horn to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with his hand stuck in it, right? Yeah, with it. I always got a kick out of the yeah. French horn players, and they got their hand stuck in it to mm-hmm. buy a freaking... You know, mute or whatever. You know, Look, on, on my trumpet, I, yeah. I used a I used a clean toilet plunger. That's that's what I used on mine. Yeah. So, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, gotcha. Oh. I was, I Good morning, the, Dave. I played the baritone in marching there, there band. So, there yeah, you go. baritone. I thought it was a man's uh, a voice. That it, well, but yes. it's it's also it's a small tuba. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's what that it is. What it's it's a small tuba. Oh, right. about, you know, I I wasn't time. cool enough to be part of the tuba <clears> corps. <throat> The tuba core guys are cool when they get into it and they start doing the dancing mm-hmm. with it and all that. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just like if I was in percussion, I don't want any of those little drums, man. Give me the big bass drum. Yeah, I'll, I'll put up with the back problems later in life. Kind of guy. Gabriel, <laughs> Gabriel always uh, scrambles to get to the bass when they when they're marching. So yeah, yeah. boom, boom. I mean that's that's a big deal with uh, the Purdue marching band. Yeah, they got that big big bass drum that uh-huh. they got it on the wheels and a person has to pull it while another person beats on it. Oh, really? Of course, I'd want to be persons beating on it, not person is pulling oh, yeah. okay so enough about that we got some pretty good questions this week and, and and i gotta i gotta say i i have hope that some of you that have some thoughts that you think is are right that you want to challenge the guys a little bit we don't get that very often they don't get that very often but sometimes not, an email not, comes through it's a little it could be yeah. you know it's a way of course, in your mind, you're reading it. Yeah. It may not have any kind of, you know, re- in reality, the way the person meant when you right. read it. Yeah. When you wrote it. So let's start off with this one. Dear Bible guys, I think I heard you guys discuss this Hanukkah Christmas issue last year. Well, we have talked about it this year as well. Uh, but I would like to hear again why Dr. Stewart. That's me believes that you can have a Christmas tree up during this time of year when the Bible clearly says you are not supposed to worship God as the the pagan people worship their gods, and we know that pagans use trees in their worship services. Also, uh, do the other Bible guys feel that there is any redeeming quality to the celebration of Christmas? Lastly, how can we get the church to begin to celebrate Hanukkah as part of church life? So you got a three-pronged question there. Yeah. Do you want to each take a separate issue on this? That sounds good. Okay, let's start with you, though. Yeah, okay. it's uh, Because this is directed at you, yeah. and uh, here's what you I'd like to hear again why Dr. Stewart believes that you can have a Christmas tree up during this time of year when the Bible clearly says you are not supposed to worship god as the pagan people worship their gods and we know that pagans use trees in their worship services yeah well you know we've said this before um i don't know anyone who worships god through a christmas tree (laughs) um and let me just go ahead and ask this i don't mean this in a facetious way but who made trees in the first place Mm mm-hmm I mean, we could we could go down this rabbit hole a long a long way. We could also say this. Um, well, you know, the pagans use uh, they worship um, stars. 
So was God wrong to use a star in the sky to lead people to Messiah? Should he have not used a star since pagans use stars? Oh, pagans actually have temples. So is it wrong for God to build a temple? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. pagans worship in buildings, so we shouldn't have church in a building. I mean, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? So if you use something to worship God through it, well, you're you're off because you're an idolater. So, I, I mean, there's a difference between you having an idol in your house that you're going to worship and having a decoration. Uh, but I, I truly, I believe, though, that um, if you trace back the origins going back all the way to the very uh, beginning, I think that the... Um, the the menorah or the Hanukkah, the menorah goes back to a a plant that God set on fire. Uh, it's called the uh, the the Moses bush or the Moses tree uh, or the Hanukkah tree. Um, the the rabbis actually call the uh, the the menorah itself. They call it a tree. One of the idiomatic expressions for it is they call it the tree of life. And if you look, if you follow the development of the way menorahs looked, some of them look almost just like a Christmas tree. So, and 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 so in the you know back in the past when we didn't have electricity, we put fire on a on a bush. I don't I don't see that there is inherently anything evil or wrong in it. I think what's wrong is when you get distracted or you allow it to pull you away from the truth that it's trying to communicate. Now, if I got up in the morning, yeah. Uh, Sometime after Thanksgiving, because mm-hmm. that's when I put up my Christmas tree, mm-hmm. and I fell on my knees before, yeah. and I right. started praying to it, yep. <clears throat> and as some kind of communicative uh, methodology for God, yeah. then I'll take criticism on it. Yeah, absolutely. And well, the scripture says you will you will not make to yourself any image of anything in the sky or in the earth. Or in the sea, anything like that. Now, do people have a little ceramic lamb on their shelf? Mm. Do they have some, you know, maybe an eagle, a cross, or, or anything? Yes. So now, are they idolaters? Are they worshiping God through a ceramic lamb? No. Read the rest of the verse. It says, "You do not make anything that you would bow down to worship." That's them. it. So it it goes to a place of worship. Now, if you've got something in your house, regardless of whether it's a tree or a ceramic, you know. Um, lamb or some type of uh maybe put out some you know did you put did you put a mench on a bench in your house a mench on a bench is like the elf on a shelf is a little right. uh, if you did that then are you worshiping god in the face of hanukkah through the mench on a bench no these are decorations right uh if you're worshiping god through anything then you're an idolater and yes you need to be rebuked but um some things i think you can uh trace back origins i mean like we've said this before did God use a star during this time? Yes. Did he use a manger scene? Yes. I had somebody rebuking me one time saying, you should never use a creche or a manger scene because there was a pagan somewhere who did this. Well, did not God put them in a manger and a creche? Right. I mean, come on. And the, Did God not create the person who made that creche? <laughs> did, did not wise men bring gifts to the baby, to, to Jesus? I mean, so, I mean, it depends on how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. But no, I don't worship God through anything other than my heart and through the spirit. I don't worship God through a tree. Uh, but I, I do I mean, think do you, I, do, you, I, do you worship your menorah? No. Okay. Thank you. I think I can. I think <laughs> I can legitimately argue and tr- and trace a, a trail from the bush that Moses saw all the way to uh, a um, a tree set on fire. I think I can do that, and I can argue it. But we don't have to agree on something like that. But. Okay. Uh, 
Um, but I'm going to give you credit. You did really good on yeah. that, of, of keeping under control. Right now? Yeah. <laughs> could you see I was a little, a little, I could, I little could, I could understand. I was a little, a little irritated, irritated about, about There's yeah. much more important things to be worried about, I think, than yeah. a Christmas tree. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the answer to his question is actually in his question. When it says you are not supposed to worship God. That's, the, qual- that's I'm, the key. I'm not using worship. that Christmas tree to worship. Yeah. Uh, is it a, is it an object of remembrance? Yes, but so is every picture I've ever taken of my children. I mean, yeah. throw all those away. I mean, uh, right. that's that's technically an image of something uh, on the earth, right? right. So sure. I, I, we don't use the tree or the lights or anything else to worship God. Okay. Uh, so, so remembrance of what he has I mean, done. And, and guess what? We we and I, I know we have some military guys here. You ever look at a flag, put your hand on your heart, and <clears> pledge <throat> allegiance to a flag? Right. Yeah. Is that not even closer to yeah. worshiping something than it is to... And that's I mean, why Jehovah's Witnesses mm-hmm. do not right. pledge allegiance to this flag. Right, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they pledge allegiance to nobody but God. Yeah. And so, I mean, religion. You know, so, yeah, so it, it... Yeah, I think you're right. I think and that's, I think that's the thing that really bothered me, which is the word worship. I don't, yeah. I don't use anything. I'm with, Nothing. I'm with you. As I read that, I said, ooh, this is be fun <laughs> listening to the answers. Yeah. Let me go to Steve. He's been really quiet. And that worries Surprising. me. <laughs> uh, do the other Bible guys feel that there is any redeeming quality to the celebration of Christmas? Mr. Hess. Hmm. Sergeant Major? Is it Sergeant Major? <laughs> no, uh, Master Sergeant. A Master, Master Sergeant. Um, very little. Um, but... It, when you, I think it, I can't remember if it was in this question or another question where it talked about um, from a messianic perspective. We're going to get into that, okay? Because I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to reach into that for just a, a second. If people in the country still celebrated Christmas the way it was when it happened, mm-hmm. you know, if we, right. when we were all kids, and it would be something different where you actually do what people say, and that is to keep Christ in Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. And that would be one thing. It's the same thing that Pastor Scott used an analogy when he's talked about how Sunday is the quote-unquote Christian Sabbath. And I remember him saying once, well, he's like, you don't honor it as a Sabbath because as soon as you leave church, you go home and cut the grass, right? right. You don't even you don't keep it as a day of rest. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if it was really kept in a, in a Christ-centered way, that would be one thing. But now I would say that with that other question about the Messianic qualities, if we really want to redeem it, then celebrating the birth of the Messiah in his proper context would be um, better would yeah. be the way to redeem it, which would be during the time of tabernacles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a, a meme, and, and the origins of, of Christmas, that as we do it, uh, well, I will say the tree, I think, has its origins um, in modern. It's from Luther, or the evergreen tree for life, and then the lights, the light of the world. Elizabethan times. Right. But the origins of the time of Christmas really didn't start until around the 300s, when, it, when Constantine merged some of the pagan traditions with the um the jewish things but he swapped the dates right and that's when he said well we used to celebrate this time for the birth of mithra but now we'll celebrate for the birth of jesus um so i would want to redeem it back and bring it to tabernacles which is the most likely time when jesus would have been born and that's how i would want to redeem it i wouldn't necessarily want to swap quote-unquote swap um christmas for hanukkah because it's not the same thing i would want to swap mm-hmm. christmas for mm-hmm. tabernacles but the reason I would give a different reason for why we celebrate Hanukkah. Christmas is what happened when Constantine brought paganism into the church. Hanukkah is when the body of the Jewish people rejected paganism and said, we're not going to allow 
the the Greeks to force idolatry into it. So I would have a different take on it that way, but I would want to redeem it again back to tabernacles, not swap the two. So I give you credit for keeping your composure. That's very good. My composure? What? Yeah, you're, well, you've been known to get a little fiery at times. No, it's not true. <laughs> no. I, am, I am the most misunderstood man. Ever. Right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, then Billy gets the last part of the uh, question. And Billy, that is, how can we get the church to begin to celebrate Hanukkah as part of church life? So we'll come back and, and uh, talk about that in a moment. Right now, I want to tell you about... Uh, P.I. Roofing, I got to give them a call this week. I want them to come out to my house. We had some hail about the size of golf balls uh, at my house uh, over the weekend. Uh, because if you didn't know that that supercell that affected just north of Jonesboro and then Kentucky and Missouri and Illinois and all the different states that it all started over uh, Cabot. That's where it all got started this time. Thank God it didn't get started, you know, more tougher than it was because it was rocking and rolling that night. So I'm going to have them come out and look at my roof and uh, see if they think that I need to move up my timetable and and get it fixed. So uh, I do that with PI Roofing because they're the best around. I know they'll come look at it and, and they can tell me if I need to do it or not. They'll call my insurance. They'll get one of the appraisers out. They'll walk the roof with the appraiser and show them why they believe uh, it needs to be replaced. And typically uh, that happens uh, when you have to do it and you end up paying the deductible. And then uh, P.I. Roofy really gets to to work for you. Call them at uh, 707-3551 or you can uh, talk to them online at P.I. Roofing. Dot com. All right. We were just talking during the break of something we're going to talk about later here in the show. But anyway, uh, the last of that story was how do we make Hanukkah to go to a celebration mm-hmm. for the Christian church? Or can we? Um, I, I think it's possible. I'm not sure it'll happen before the Lord returns. Um, I, I would. So Hanukkah becomes a. Oh, and this is going to sound really bad. Hanukkah becomes a secondary concern for me. Um, there are seven feasts which we are commanded to keep. And I think if we could just get the church to start keeping the seven which are commanded, this one will just fall in line. Um, when we when we turn our attention away from, okay, so these pagan-inspired holidays, how's that? And and start celebrating um, the things that, that God has commanded us. Um, when you start celebrating those things, you begin to see the depth and the beauty and the reasoning for those um, celebrations, and that that draws you into want to se- wanting to celebrate the other things that God has done. And then Hanukkah is the natural outpouring of that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to put, trying to get people to celebrate Hanukkah before you're observing Tabernacles and before you're observing um, Passover and before you're observing Shavuot or Pentecost, before you're observing these other holidays. Um, yeah, I mean, congratulations! You've put up some lights and you've you've traded out your tree for a menorah, but really, you, you haven't you haven't gotten the foundation correct mm-hmm. yet. So, um, my personal opinion here is that you just you won't see that happen until you fix some of the other things. Well, my key is as far as Christian church goes, how can you not celebrate Passover? I know. How can you not? Because they have Easter, celebrate they can't Passover. Yeah. yeah, that to me would be 
the logical starting place sure. to get rid of Easter yeah. yep. and understand that Passover is the whole culmination of Easter. Yep. You, you know how it changes people's perspective just in the few times that oh, I've yeah. taught it, you know, at uh, New Life. When, when yeah. just seeing people's reaction. Yeah, to that. It's people, amazing. People, people it brings me people to tears. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, our, our church, we, we celebrate all the... Uh, Feast of the Lord. I've been, the Lord told me when I first came here, just He said, focus on the three major feasts, and then once people have accepted that, then you just keep moving through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, I think that uh, I mean, I, I've taught on Hanukkah many, many times. I've just taught the past two Sundays on um, on Hanukkah, and and here I think if I could just go ahead, I know I'm not supposed to answer that question, but if I could just go ahead and throw in there. Yeah, go ahead. You know, one of the things I think we do um, is is what we're trying to do is our children at our church are taught the feast of the lord right our children are taught about hanukkah they are excited about uh about hanukkah and i think if you're going to get the church to fully transition to where they've embraced this then you have to bring it to the uh, the children and the youth if you try to bring it into the older people they're going to fight you too much with their own tradition but one thing that was just pointed out last sunday was in the book of revelation the bible says that jesus was walking through the uh the English version says seven golden candlesticks, but actually the word there is menorah. Uh, and he was walking through the seven menorahs. So, and he says, he says the seven stars are the angels or the pastors, the, the messengers, mm-hmm. and the seven menorahs are the churches. And so I was just telling my people listening from God's purview, he sees the church as a menorah. Does anyone ever even associate a menorah with the church? No. And it's because of that disconnect between the root of our of our faith. So we have to reconnect, and I think Hanukkah is a great way of trying to do that. But with the other feast and with Hanukkah, you have to, I think, start teaching the children, just like we taught them everything else. We teach them, and then hopefully within a generation or two, mm-hmm. we've got something changed. But that requires a big... Yeah. Uh, and that uh, is a generational change. It, it is. Really, I mean, it's, yeah. not like, it's not like we picked up a book one day and decided to celebrate Christmas, right? We, right. We've done that since... Um, you know, some for some of us, some of our earliest memories are Christmas memories. Sure, and it's like, look, you 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 are you are trying to change something that is deeply ingrained in a person. And I'm not saying that can't happen. God can do anything. I've seen Him miraculously change individuals. But as a culture, Christmas is not going anywhere anytime soon. That's right. Well, and look at what Jesus had to deal with with the Sadducees and Pharisees when He was coming against their traditions. Right? Mm-hmm. They fought all the way because they believe very deeply in the traditions of the fathers. Right. So these things were two or three or four hundred year old traditions, mm-hmm. and he was coming against them. I think Wa- it, watch Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, that's a great right. flick, and and listen to what the guy sings about. But, but we can't swap one tradition for another no. without mm-hmm. knowing why, right? Well, that, and that, that's why to me Passover is the most important. Yep. And you and you have this happening all over the place. You know, you have on on the, on the Jewish side. You know, you have okay, we're celebrating something called Rosh Hashanah, which actually should be Yom Teruah. We've we've swapped out different things. We've now got we have competing traditions. If if and you have to be careful that you don't look for always something. Um, we have we have to just go back to to the word. I mean, like people will um, can get very upset, especially within the Messianic community. We can get very upset, like you you ha- if you celebrate if you worship God on a Sunday. Um, well, who created Sunday uh, in the first place? Uh, and are you supposed to worship God every day of your life? Yes. Well, just don't. But can I can I worship? Can I keep? Can I be a Sabbath keeper and still worship God on a Sunday? Well, no, because then that's then that's a uh, 
pagan. I mean, they just, so I got to ask just, you: it, is, is this a, pro- a problem between the freedom that Paul saw that God said, you know, you, you you've got freedom in in what you you worship, uh, or is it legalism? Right. I, I think there's a there's a line between being between legal between legalism and uh, law, and I think that people don't know the difference to that. You could be legalistic about absolutely anything, um, mm-hmm. and ten I, seconds. I, I think that, I think the church would have the same problem if they say, you know, we're going to start we're going to start having church service on Monday, and they'd freak out mm-hmm. over that as well. So, all right, we come back. Got more questions here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, but reminding you about David Lucas uh, Financial. They know a lot of the things that you're worried about dealing with your uh, nest egg that you've built up about the inflation that's going on, a lot of the political unrest and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, he wants you to know you don't have to have these 1970s style inflationary fears or allow them to destroy uh, your retirement. You can learn how silver and gold, and a lot of people put money in silver and gold, it's a way of uh, backing what you've already saved, and uh, have it in, in, in your uh, way that you set up your, 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 your way of protecting what you've already saved for your life. Learn how silver and gold could really help you protect your assets, like your IRA, your 401k, your hard-earned savings, you got to call 501-222-3315. And uh, they work with uh, one of the only uh, regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country. So you get, uh, you know, really direct prices from a, a dealer that you can trust. All of, again, you got to call to get this information, 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. Doesn't mean, look, a lot of people think, hey, if I got 20% in precious metals, I'm safe. Maybe not. You need to know what's safe and what's not. And you can find that out with the folks over at David Lucas Financial. Keep that in mind, all right? And know that uh, investment advisory services offered through the David Lucas Financial uh, Company and Arkansas Registered Investment advisor so please keep that all in mind all right bible guys are here let's get back to uh the questions again this one can i I clarify that last thing you go right ahead um listen uh i'm not exactly sure how the last thing i said came across when i when i mentioned about worshiping on sunday having to do with paganism what i was referring to is people accuse Mm -hmm. uh people who go to church on sunday of doing that uh who are who are um not necessarily uh, within the uh, the modern day Christian uh, tradition, and it's just absolutely not true. We're supposed to worship God every day of the week, uh, and so that includes Sunday. And let's not forget, there are several times in the Bible where God says, "Okay, I want you to do X, Y, and Z on the day after the Sabbath," which means God instituted certain worship services to be done on Sunday. So, so it's it's ridiculous. But my point was, if people are looking for problems in everything mm-hmm. we do. Uh, we can find it. We're going to find it, and we're going to find reasons to divide, and that has been a problem within the Messianic community. Mm-hmm. We have more reasons to divide than reasons to unite over, and we have to get past that, and let's major on the majors and minor on the minors. And, um, and that's I think just, that goes a lot with 
the Christian church and the Jewish oh, church. For sure. You yeah. know, it's the same that, thing. I'll argue over about, things that yeah. aren't worth time to yeah, argue. I know. I know. Yep. You know, as far as it goes. Uh, so, Bible guys, what do you have to say or how do you feel about the way that the traditional Christmas story is told? Do you think it reflects the events as they truly happened? I mean, have we developed traditions that cloud the messianic nature of the arrival of Messiah? I love this time of year, but I have a feeling it could be much more meaningful mm-hmm. if I could see the greatest story ever told from a Hebraic perspective needing a little bit of help. All right, Steve. <laughs> Steve's ready to go. Good so that's man. why you were quiet earlier. You were just waiting to jump on this one. Right? Well, no, this was the question that I was referring to. <clears throat> the story as it's traditionally told, I mean, you can go as simple as uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas, right? As soon as Linus starts to read from the Bible, right? Every time I read that scripture in Luke now, I hear Linus's voice, right? You know, um, so... You can, us a child is, right. okay. and, and so you can get the basic story and not lose much of the, the, the principle. I think how most of it's told, we saw the, the chosen Christmas special mm, that they did. Powerful, powerful. Right. And, and how they represented it was, was very well. But again, if you really want to get it and fully understand it and fully appreciate it, put it in its proper context and the proper context makes the most sense in tabernacles that when John will make sense to you when he says that the flesh, uh, he came and um, dwelt amongst, yeah. yep, and dwelt amongst men. That word dwelt there is tabernacles. The fact that he would have been circumcised on the eighth day, right? That the word was circumcised on that day at the end of that feast, right? All of those things just make sense. That's how you would get it more messianic and more meaning. And then no, realizing that all of those uh, feast days, as Billy was talking about earlier, were all prophetic. Mm-hmm. Right. It will help us understand that God was laying out a prophetic map for how the Messiah would come and how he's going to return. Right. And right. so that's how you do that. But I don't think what you do is to try and squeeze it into December 25th and then make messianic things. That's the danger of going, oh, well, now we're going to celebrate Hanukkah and now we're, we're redeeming. No, no, no. That's not the same thing. So you have to put it back in its proper context in the setting of the feast. That's how you redeem it, yeah. in my opinion. I think also you, um, you, is, uh, yes, the whole story. Uh, I think I think you get a lot more out of it. For example, if you emphasize, which I try to do whenever I uh, tell a story, you emphasize the fact that um, that the um, the shepherds, for example, that that the angels appeared to were not ordinary shepherds. They were priestly shepherds. Right. Amen. Uh, they were shepherding over a flock of sheep that uh, that um, were specifically kept. Yeah, they were specifically kept for sacrifice in the temple. So these were priestly shepherds, you know, shepherding over um, sheep that were being prepared for sacrifice. Whenever a whenever the lambing season came, they would take these sheep into what was known as the tower of the flock, and they would. Uh, whenever a baby sheep was born, a lamb was born, they would wrap it in swaddling clothes because they didn't want it to stumble and fall and cut itself. If so, then he's disqualified for sacrifice. And then when you realize that Messiah goes to a place called the Tower of the Flock, as Micah says, and he's born in a place where the sheep are normally born and he's wrapped in the type of clothing that mm. priestly sacrificial sheep were wrapped in, it once again, it brings the whole thing into um, into um into better focus. This, but, but people that are Christian, 
They miss all of that. that. That's the messianic viewpoint. If you if you put it back in its context, in its time, then the whole thing gets cleared up and makes so much more. Because um, what does Christian do when, when they're preaching about Christmas? The God of heaven came to earth, gave up all of his, you know, princely sayings, yeah. and was born in a stable. Right. Yeah. It's a totally different context than what the Jewish so, folks see it. Absolutely. At. He was born a king through the line of David, and he was wrapped in priestly garments, the embodiment of the true Messiah, son of Joseph, the Messiah, son of David, the king priest that uh, Zechariah talks about. I mean, everything. Uh, it still would have been humbly, right? Because sure. it would have been not in the king's palace. Right. So it doesn't diminish how it's presented. It just may not have been as barnish, right, as it's normally represented. But, but, but also, I can tell you this. If I, if let's say Rick Bazette would call me up and say, Dave, would you, would you preach a, a sermon on on, you know, the Christmas and yep. when Christ came, and I told it from the the Messianic viewpoint, there would be a riot in front of me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. it really would happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this also shows um, with the way he was born, and Steve's right, he wasn't born in the palace, he was born among the sacrificial lambs. It also shows that he first came as the priest. He first came as the, <laughs> the sacrificial lamb, and then he'll return as the... Uh, as the conquering, as the conquering king, and it puts it, it just, it blows away the the fog and just makes it so, yeah, so very clear. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I it, it it follows a logical way that it yeah. should follow the Christian way. Don't don't get me wrong, folks. I'm glad that we're preaching Christ as Lord. Okay, but this way you're really preaching Christ mm. as Lord. I actually have a map of uh jerusalem from uh the 1800s and when micah makes his prophecy he actually says unto you uh bethlehem ephrata mentions a place called ephrata which is basically like a, a portion of, of bethlehem like a suburb but ephrata is where all the uh, sacrificial sheep were uh, yep. born and it says unto you it shall come the first dominion whose goings forth are from ancient times even from everlasting so he actually tells the story that to a certain place, actually says, unto you, O tower of the flock, in Ephrata. So it actually gives the location. And this map I have from the 1800s actually locates where the tower of the flock is actually uh, actually was. So it was still standing, even in the, uh, even in the 1800s. I'll and we still missed break. it on the Christian yeah. side. I'm just saying, <laughs> man. Come on. Up. All right. Let's continue on. This one is really, this, is, this one was directed towards Steve. All right. I like the uh, Bible guys to address the issue of the terrible tornadoes that brought so much damage to our cities this past week. Would they see this as a judgment from God? I think Pastor Steve has said that he thinks that this type of thing can be interpreted as a judgment. If so, how do we comfort people? Churches were destroyed, homes devastated, etc. What would Pastor Steve's response be to those people? I would like to hear Billy's reply, as I think he feels like Pastor Steve in this regard. It appears that more storms are on the way this week, so how do we pray if this is from God? If it's not from God, how do we pray along those lines? Thank you. Good question. It's almost a, a kind of a rehash of why do bad things happen to good, good people. people. I hate that right. question. So let's let's turn it over to you. Well, Steve. I I 
very hesitantly would ever say that these kind of things are the judgment of God. Mm-hmm. Because you you have to go back, because in this case you would say the righteous and the unrighteous were judged simultaneously. Churches were destroyed, you know, as well. But right? the rain falls on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Right. But, but the rain is not the judgment of God. Right? I agree. So if it was the judgment of God, then it would be very targeted. He, That's why I have a problem ever saying that was a judgment from God. Yeah. Now, could I look at something, could I draw a similarity between Katrina, because it, w- it was happening simultaneously with Katrina as we were expelling the Jews from their land, and God targeted probably one of the most pagan cities in our country. I could argue for that one more than just random tornadoes striking random places throughout the country. I look at most of this stuff as what you just said, though, is the rain or the tornadoes falling on the just and the unjust. And I have some friends that posted this picture of a church that had its roof roof ripped off and said the Bibles were not touched. And they were Mm -hmm. kind of citing this as almost as a praiseworthy event. And I'm just going, that's not cool because Mm -hmm. that means he saved Bibles, but he he allowed 80 people to die. Mm -hmm. Come on, that's not a comparison. We shouldn't do things like that. Yeah. And so it it this in my instance is um just the the rain or the storms falling on the just and the unjust because I'm sure righteous people died along with the unrighteous. If it's something that specifically the judgment of God is going to be targeted to the unholy the unrighteous people, I just think this is part of the natural order of things that happens. Does it mean that these things don't increase in a nation that's rejecting God? That you can argue, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't wouldn't say that like how some people go, well, God did this. No, God didn't do it. He, he spun the world into existence and the weather. Man screwed it up. Well, that and the weather comes <laughs> and because so of the weather, sometimes tornadoes happen and here's, why they go. Here's my way. response to that but because it took me a while to develop what I thought was a okay, appropriate quick. response. Um, I can't do it quickly. How about okay, then hold and we'll, we'll do it on the other side. Just here's my whole thing on this. We live in a fallen world. The creation is fallen as man himself is fallen. What do you expect? Right. That's the way it is. Yeah. It is it is what it is. I'm just saying. We screwed it up. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk some more. East End Towing wants you to know, no matter what the situation, East End Towing can uh, you know handle it, and they got all the answers for you. So that's where you should call. That's why I always tell you have their phone number in your cell phone, 8 8- now, 501-888-8849. I'm not used to saying 501 in front of every na- uh, number now, but I got to because you're going to have to d- dial 501 soon enough. 501-888-8849. That is East End Towing. All right, so, uh, Billy. Yes, sir. Why did God allow that big old tornado to stay on the ground for 227 miles in, t- in Kentucky and kill maybe over 100 people? I mean, isn't he a loving God? Yes, he is. Um, And and that's, um, I I go right straight to Steve's position on that, which is, no, I don't think that's the judgment of God. I think when the judgment of God comes, nobody will be asking whether or not this was the judgment of God. Um, I don't think the people of Sodom and Gomorrah looked at the sky and went, huh, I wonder who just flung that big old rock at us. And sorry, that just didn't happen. When the judgment of God comes, we won't be asking. Now, what I will say, this question Let's say I worked in a very dangerous job that required me to wear a bulletproof vest all the time. 
And over the years, I've been shot in that bulletproof vest several times. And the day comes when I'm angry at that bulletproof vest, so I throw it in the closet and refuse to carry it with me anymore, and then suddenly I get shot. Or it's offered to you and you refuse to put it on. Can I blame the bulletproof vest for having gotten shot? No, I cannot. I chose to set it aside, and we have done that in this country by and large with God, right? We don't want him in our schools. We don't want him in the public forum. We don't want him on television. We don't want him anywhere. And then we want to yell, scream, and holler and complain, well, there obviously is no God because he didn't protect me in X, Y, Z. This particular argument drives me insane. Even amongst those who are, quote, the faithful, we live our lives by and large like we don't have any responsibility to God. Whether we acknowledge him or not, we often live like we don't have any responsibility to him. And then we complain that the, the fiery darts of the devil get us. You know, it's like, what we want is, bless me, don't judge me. Right, right. So, and I guess I probably could have covered that in 30 seconds before, but that that is... No, you, you're doing good. It's the big argument there, right? Is I just don't see how... I don't see how you can live like the world and, and expect the protection of God um, as though you were walking on water so but and there's also a difference between god judging like billy said and god removing his hedge of protection right so where now these things can begin to happen simply because he no longer stops them now he lets the the natural order of things happen where before the protection may have been there not that he directed them but now he's done preventing so you yeah. can look at it from from that perspective. Yeah. You, you took off that bulletproof vest correct I, that's good i, I don't know what you were expecting yep. i mean bullets have been hitting that bulletproof vest right right i wouldn't take that off if i were you um and yet when we do and then get uh, get struck by something we well why, why did that happen why we sit there and we look at we you know from the cancel culture mentality and we look at the chaos that is yeah. in this nation and we wonder what's changed we we blame the judeo-christian ethic right and we say it was the um uh, that ethic and that culture that had all these problems 50 years ago, but now you turn around and look at what's happening, and people just lewd and steal, and they're destroying little boys and girls and, and just rampant immorality, and, and nobody seems to care, and nobody mm. seems to draw that connection that we've said, thank you, but leave our house, God. Or, or worse, they see it, they hate it, but they don't speak out against it. Yeah. That, that, to me, is like, holy cow. You know, what do you think? Then I can start getting into the judgment of God. Mm-hmm. I can start letting that seep into my thoughts. Yeah. I, I think that, I think yeah, to, to the point that you made, Dave, I think that it's it's true. We have this, this ongoing sin problem for a long time. It's obviously we're reaping a lot of fruit now. But, yeah, we when we uh, when when sin entered the world, it altered creation completely. Mm-hmm. All, of, all of a sudden animals that were herbivore, herbivores were now carnivores and and the, the 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 ground that used to only provide us good things now start producing thorns and thistles. I mean, creation was affected. The worth it groans, was, it groans and trails. It was thrown into turmoil because of sin. So, all this stuff happening is a result of sin. Now, as sin increases in the world, are events going to continue to get worse? I would think probably so. But it is it is a result more of what we are doing from sinning as opposed to as to God, quote-unquote, judging. I think because God is loving and merciful and compassionate. Just, just, I just finished teaching on the whole book of Jonah. Oh, my goodness. Look at the length God went to to show compassion. When, jo- when, Nineveh, when Nineveh repented to the Lord and Jonah, Jonah got upset, Jonah said, I 
this is why I fled to Tarshish because I knew you were going to find a way to <laughs> yeah, forgive you these, save people. these people. You're, you're loving and you're compassionate. You're slow to anger. I knew you were going to be merciful. God looks for a way to show mercy yeah. and and praise God for that. Otherwise, none of us would be here today. But the more we sin, the more we fill the earth with our sin, the more the earth is going to violently react to the pollution that we're putting into it. Well, and, and beyond that, um, God has flat out said, I won't stand where where sin is. You can't bring your unholiness into the presence of my holiness. So if we're going to salt the world with unholiness, how can we be surprised that he's had to withdraw himself from our situations? It's like you're, you're rolling around in filth. And he said, I, I won't let that anywhere near me. So I can't be near you. I, I can't protect you in this. You, you are choosing to roll around with the pigs and then want me to run in and rescue you at the last minute when I've told you I, I just can't come near that. Um, you're, you're, I cannot allow your unholiness and your filth to taint my my holiness and my cleanliness um and it's it's one of those things we have spent so long in this country preaching about how well god's just going to love you the way you are Mm -hmm. this is true god loves you the way you are but he expects you to get better he meets you where you are at the the prodigal son didn't (laughs) stay in the pigsty and his father come to him he got out of the pigsty got cleaned up and went home And, and wasn't sure there you that go. his God, that, well, not his God, but uh, his father would would take him back. I will go back under whatever circumstances the father will accept yeah. me. That's the key. That's the difference. I like your thing about the bulletproof vest. The problem is there's a lot of people won't even put the vest on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we call I mean, that and, the armor and of God. And, and when you look in the world, it's pretty, it's pretty evident yeah. that there's a Savior out there. Yeah. want you you've been hearing it all your life yeah when are you going to act on it yeah that's the key when yeah. you're going to act on it it's up to you that's what it comes down to amen it's for all of us our salvation is there for us if we'll just accept it all right scott thanks so much appreciate Thank you, you coming in today it's great having all three of you here yeah we'll all get together next week and then uh we'll have christmas time all right Steve, good to see you, too. You too, Dave. I'm glad that they, the government saw fit to let you out for a little <laughs> bit. And uh, thank you, Billy, for coming as yes, well. Yes, sir. I'm out of here. See you tomorrow morning at, of course, 6 a.m. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.